This year's promise verses found in John chapter 10, verses 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Amen? You know, God is good. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Interesting. Now, what about <coughs> the shepherd? Does the shepherd listen to his sheep's voice? Is it okay to ask this question or is it not? Does God listen to his people? Is it okay or it is wrong to ask questions like that? You know, the Bible says it's okay to ask such questions, you know, to say whether God listens to the voice of his people. You know, the Bible, in fact, anticipates such questions. And to our benefit and to our encouragement and to our comfort, the Bible asserts right from the beginning that God listens to his people. Amen? You know, it's interesting. You know, we need to ask such questions, and the Bible is happy to answer those questions. In fact, the Bible even says that God longs to listen to his people's voice. He longs like a mother longs to listen to her child's voice, God longs. He's waiting. He's waiting. If you are a child of God, God is waiting today to listen to your voice, not pastor's voice, to your voice, to each one of our voice. God is waiting. You know, that's the reason the psalmist says in Psalm 66, 17, and 19, I cried out to him with my mouth, his praise was on my tongue. God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. No doubt, God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. You know, the psalmist, even he goes further and says, you know, in Psalm 34, 15, God keeps an eye on his friends. His ears pick up every moan and groan. What a great verse. Huh? God keeps an eye on his friends. His ears pick up every moan and groan. You know, there are days when you lay on the bed groaning and weeping tears of pain, sorrow, anxiety, depression, loneliness, and frustration, the Bible says, God, God's ears pick up every moan and groan. Amen. That is our God. You know, the verse literally says, we have a God who listens. We have a God who listens. There's no doubt about it. That's what he says. So probably the psalmist is also aware of what happened in the book of Exodus. We have a God who listens. So shall we all rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from the book of Exodus chapter 1. Uh, for want of time, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. We'll read a few verses from chapter 1 and we go to chapter 2 verse one, chapter 1 verse 1 and then verses 8 to 14 and then we go to chapter 2 verses 23 to 25 for today's short meditation Exodus chapter 1 1 These are the names of the sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob each with his family verse 8 to 14, then a new king 
to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous and if war breaks out, will join our enemies, fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor and they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. We go to chapter 2, 23 to 25. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. You know, if you have followed this passage, you know, this passage talks about three stages, we can say. You know, there are three distinct stages we can make out from this passage. Number one, the days of darkness. You know, the number two, we can see that light in the darkness. And third, we can see that God in the darkness. Days of darkness, light, light in the darkness, and God in the darkness. Let us look at each of the stages one by one. Days of darkness. The Bible says that the people of God will go through days of darkness from time to time. The Bible clearly says it's not a surprise. The Bible clearly says from time to time the people of God will walk through the valley of darkness. That's the reason the psalmist says even though, not if I, even though I walk through the valley of darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's not saying, if I walk through the valley of darkness, no. You will walk. I will walk. We all have walked. As you get older and older, you say that not once, several times in our lives, we have walked through the valley of darkness. So, the Bible is not saying that, you know, always there will be light. We pass through the valley of darkness and it's not a surprise to God at all. So the book of Exodus begins with this graphic details of the suffering of God's people. They are God's people, but it's talking about their sufferings. Sometimes you get, you know, uh, people preaching, Come to God, you are free from problem, you are free from suffering. But the Bible, Exodus, the book begins, you know, about the suffering of God's people. No doubt about it. In Exodus chapter 1, 11 to 14, it says, So they put, just imagine their lives, so they put slave masters over them. Slave masters itself is enough. But they've been told, you oppress them. Without telling that itself, they'll oppress. Over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, 
the more they were oppressed. Imagine, every day the oppression was increasing. Their problems were increasing. Their suffering is not decreasing. They are not seeing a little bit of relief. They are experiencing more and more suffering. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and work them ruthlessly, more suffering. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar, with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. See, they just imagine their situation. If you have to describe their situation, you know, if you have to just find a caption for this, and to just to say, just in two or three words, if you have to say, we can say that darkness and sorrow unbounded. That was their state. Darkness and sorrow unbounded, without limits, without any end. They were suffering. There was darkness in their lives. And these were the people of God. We need to keep telling ourselves, these were the people of God. <clears throat> you know, their situation appeared hopeless. It's hopeless because the heaven above is quiet. They are going through so much of suffering. The heaven above is quiet and their situation around them is threatening, intimidating. Imagine, every morning they get up and they have to see the slave driver. It's not a nice situation at all. That was their situation. <coughs> and these were God's people. When Paul and Barnabas, when they wanted to teach the young believers, if you read in the book of Acts, you know, in places like Antioch, Lystra, Iconium, and all those places, they are just new believers. And you know what they said? They said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Acts 14.22, of late, we rarely get to hear these verses. We say, come to God, you will get gold and silver and other things. They, we hardly get to hear words like, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. People are scared even to preach that when you come to God, when you want to be in the kingdom of God, you must go through sufferings. That's the reason the moment they have some suffering, they leave the church and they go somewhere else. The reality in this life is we will go through sufferings. That's the reality. And when we are children of God, we will all the more go through the sufferings because there's an enemy who is working against us. We, we must be very clear about this. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. This is the early preaching. Uh, the believers who came to the early church, this is the kind of preaching they heard. Not prosperity gospel, not health and wealth gospel. They said, no, you must go through sufferings to enter the kingdom of God. That's the reason the apostle Paul, while addressing the young believers, you know, he will say that, you know, God's elect. Yeah, you are God's elect, but you are exiles. That's the way he addresses the letter. You read his letter, he will say, you are all God's elect? Yes. But you are exiles, scattered. You know, you, that's the way he addresses them. You know, you are exiles, you are scattered, you know, you are foreigners in this land. You do not live in this world, you don't have a permanent address, you are foreigners. That's the way, you know, the Apostle Paul will say that. Don't look for comfort in this world. The world cannot comfort us. Things of the world cannot comfort us. We, if you want to be comforted, you want to be satisfied, you have to be satisfied in Jesus. 
despite all that's happening around us. You know, darkness and sorrow unbounded. Our life sometimes it's like that. Darkness and sorrow unbounded. Sometimes you don't know, you know, where can I go and even tell? You don't even want to disclose that. But, but, we have Jesus with us. You know, from time to time, God's people will endure sufferings without any convincing reason. God's people will face adversity without purpose. And God's people will face hostility without protection. Have you not heard God's people being, you know, brutalized, being driven out from their homes? They have no protection. That is how it will appear for God's people on this earth. We should not expect something different. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of this darkness, you know, when we go through the days of darkness, in the midst of all that, the good news is there is light in the darkness. Amen? There is light in the darkness. You know, on this side of the earth, we will not have answers for all our questions. Let's be very clear about it. If you're going to pursue, if you're trying to find out reason, why did this happen? On this side of the earth, we will not have answers for all our questions. Why am I suffering from this deadly disease? Why have I lost my job? Why has my relationship failed? Why is my family life so difficult? Why did my family member die at such a young age? Why was I not promoted? We will not get answers. Because God says, in Isaiah 55, 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. If we are God's children, we have to acknowledge that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God doesn't think the way we think. We have to acknowledge his ways are higher than our ways. But somehow we can make this sense of darkness in the valley. When we walk through the darkest valley, we can somehow we can make sense in the darkness. We may not have the answer for why, but we can make sense of the darkness because God's people, from the beginning, from the time of creation, they've been through this valley of darkness. So we can make some sense as we go through this. You know, God's hand is at work from the beginning. He is the Alpha and Omega. We say that, you no, know, God is Alpha and the Omega. He knows my end from beginning. When he knows my end from beginning, why should I try to figure it out? I know he will take me to the destination. If I hold on to his hand, he will take me to the destination. I don't like, I don't like this, but I know who is holding my hand. I know I'll reach the destination. You know, you all may call me as a loser, but I know I'm not a loser because I know who is holding my hand. Hallelujah. Do you have that hope? Do you have that confidence? He's the one who's holding. You call me, you're useless, you're good for nothing, whatever you say, it's not going to stick on me because I have been washed by the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's, that's the life you and I, we have. You know, God is constantly, our God is not idle and he has not created me without a purpose. I don't have to tell him, oh God, you are wrong. You should have done like this. No, no, no. He knows. He has created me in a unique way with a unique purpose and he will accomplish his purpose in and through my life. Things may go wrong. I may falter. I may fail. 
you know, I may hear all kinds of criticism, but I have been created by God for his, re for his purpose. Amen. You don't have to look for, you don't have to find out a meaning for your life. Your life has a meaning once you are a child of God. Because God has chosen you even before the foundations of the earth were laid because he has a reason. Otherwise, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have chosen you. Since he has chosen me and he has brought me, redeemed me with his precious blood, I have a reason. Everything will fail in my life. My body will fail. My, my job I will fail. But the purpose of God will never fail. Amen. That is our God. You know, he, or at the end, all will be well. At the end, you know, when we walk and when we see him face to face, all will be well. Why should I become anxious today? Why should I become depressed today? Why should I be discouraged today? Because at the end, all will be well. Now, even in the present case, I said the Israelites, their situation was something like darkness and sorrow, unbounded. That was their situation. But we need to realize that this has not come to God as a surprise. God knew this. That's the reason it's recorded in the Bible for our benefit. You know, right in Genesis chapter 46, even before Jacob was about to lead his family into the land of Egypt, even before he was to step into that land, God told Jacob, I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again and jo Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. God knew this. It was not a surprise. It didn't happen all of a sudden. God knew that. You know, just because God says, I am with you, it does not mean that we will not have problems. Never doubt God's presence with you when you're going through problems. On the contrary, you can be doubly assured of God's presence in your life when you're going through problems. You know, just because God is with me, it doesn't mean we will not fail. We will not have, you know, there will not be any job loss or no promotion or, you know, we will lose somebody in the family, tragedy. You know, it'll, it's all going to happen. We are living in a fallen world. We are not living in heaven. So relationships will break. But it doesn't mean that God is not with us. You know, when we face suffering, it'll come as a suffering. Oh my goodness, what happened to me? How could this happen to me? We are surprised. Okay, but God is not surprised. God is never, never, never surprised by what happens in our lives. We are surprised. You know, God was not surprised because God told them even earlier than this, when Sarah was barren, Abraham and Sarah had no child. This is what God told in Genesis chapter 15, 13. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own, and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Is there any surprise for God? You know, if you think in my life such a bad thing has happened, remember, he knows, God knows. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is our comfort and that's our confidence. God knows. You know, we try sometimes to manage things and all. We only mess it up more. But God knows. God knows. God knows. He knows his children will be enslaved. And what? Mistreated there. Mistreated there. 
So he did not come as a surprise to God. The only assurance we have is when God is with us, all will be well. I'm not saying you'll be free from pain. When God is with us, all will be well. We are living in a broken world, fallen world. If you don't have sufferings, you will not even realize it's a broken world sometimes. But we are living in a broken world. You know, there we, need, we have to face the world's pressures, so much of injustice in the world. You know, there is, if there is a pandemic, it's not that it'll say, are you a Christian? No. It comes on everyone. It affects everybody. All will die. It, does, it doesn't say that, it doesn't discriminate, you know, among human beings. All will die. Sufferings are there. It's part of our living. But remember, you know, there is God with us. That's why we have light in the darkness. You know, God comes down to live with us. And if we start asking the question, why, we will not get an answer. God never comes down to this earth to tell you and me why you are suffering. God comes down to tell that I am with you. I am with you. If you think, if you find the answer, you will solve the problem. You know, I would rather have God walking with me than know the reason. Because suppose I come to know the reason, what will I do with that? Okay, you are going through your problem. Okay, it's a very serious problem. Okay, you want to know why you are suffering. Okay, you, you come to know the reason. God tells you, this is the reason. What do you do with that now? You are not God. It, I would rather have God walk with me in my problem than have the answer why to my question. What do you want in your life? Do you want an answer to your why question or do you want God to walk with you? If you're going to ask, why did this happen to me? You're not going to get an answer. But if you say, God, walk with me, God will walk with you. What do you want this morning? You know, God comes to us in the day of darkness and reassures us that it is all right. All would be well. It is all right. All would be well. This morning, if you are going through the days of darkness, God is telling, uh, telling you, it is all right. All would be well. It's all right. All would be well. Surrender your lives to God this morning. Tell God, have your way. If this is what you want me to walk through, I am ready. I don't like it, but Lord, give me the grace, strength to walk through this journey. Because I know at the end, all would be well. You know, God neither leaves us nor abandons us. Once you are a child of God, he will never leave us, nor he will abandon us. Amen. What a great assurance we have. You know, the reason that, you know, he will never leave us, nor abandon us, is because God is with us in the darkness. You know, when we go through the days of darkness, remember, there is God in the darkness. We have seen days of darkness. We have seen light in the darkness. The reason we have light in the darkness is God knows all that we are going through. It has never come as a surprise to God. There's light in the darkness and there is God in the darkness. You know, as children of God, we should be careful. We should be careful not to come under the grip of our circumstances. You know, situations could be dominating, domineering, 
dictating, threatening, but we as God's children, we should never come under the grip of our circumstances. Why? Why we should not come under the grip of our circumstances? The reason being, the children of God are always gripped in the hand of God. You know, your, your, your situations will force you to come out of this grip so that the circumstances can grip you. But once you know that you are a child of God and you are gripped by God, you will say, I would rather die in this place than come out of this. You know, it's failure, it's okay. You know, I may not feel so good about my failure, but I would rather be gripped in the hand of God than be gripped by the circumstances of my life. You know, it could be your past, it could be your sickness, it could be your failures, it could be your guilt, it could be anything. They all have the capacity somehow to enslave you. We saw about, we read about the slave drivers, all this guilt, failures, disappointments, somebody made an adverse comment about you, they all have the power over your life. They are able to grip you. They are able to keep you under its power. It has power. You know, you, you need to be aware about this and say, I am a child of God. I am gripped by the hand of God. On what basis do we say that we are gripped in the hand of God? Because in John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, it says, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That's first hand. That is the hand of Jesus. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Then, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. If you are a child of God, unless you choose to get out of God's hand, no power, no situation, no failures, no situ circumstance in this, in this world can take you out from God's hand. Amen. You know, not only you are gripped by the nail-pierced hand, you are gripped by the Creator God. The hand that made the heavens and the earth. You are gripped by God's hand. You know, can you look for a better, safe place than this? We look to bank balance, we look to achievements, we look to accomplishments for our safety. All will fail us. All will fail us today or tomorrow it will fail us. Every idol that we make in our world will not save us, but they will fail us. But once you are in the child of God, and once you know you are gripped in the hand of God, no foes on earth, you know, they may take your life, but they cannot take you out from God's hand. Amen. That's the confidence. That's the hope we have. So what should we do in the days of darkness? Since it is, we all have to go through the days of darkness, so what should we do in the days of darkness? You know, the psalmist says, in Psalm 50, 15, he says, Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. And that's what happened to the Israelites. When we see in Exodus chapter 2, 23 to 25, it says, the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. He, God was concerned about them. 
you know, they groaned in their slavery. Obviously, if you're in a situation like that, we all will groan. Problems, we will groan. And when they groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. The good news is God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. That's the kind of God we have. He hears our groaning. When we can't even speak out, God hears our groaning. You know, sometimes they say, you know, you just be like that, you know, time will heal you. Have you heard that? You know, just be quiet. You know, the time has a way of healing you. But the time did not bring any relief to the people of Israelites. The change of government did not bring any relief to the Israelites. Because if you read verse 23, uh, it will clearly talk about there was a new king who came to power. So change of government did not bring any relief. Sometimes we think a change of government may bring relief. The change of government did not change their position, nor the time. With the passage of time, things will improve. No, 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 nothing. There is no improvement. But what brought about change in their situation is their prayer. When they prayed to God, there was a change in their situation. Amen. When they prayed, when the people of God, when they prayed, you know, the deliverance began. The process started. And the Bible says, God heard. You know, when God heard means God is giving his undivided attention towards you. When you pray, you know, remember, God is Paying his undivided attention to you. He heard. He heard. God heard. And he saw. And he's, God is working out. God knows my children are going through the situation. He heard. And it also says he was concerned. He knew. Concerned is, is a way of saying he knew. It is, it's a very, very an intimate word. When you write as concerned, probably you don't get that meaning in Hebrew. It's, he knew. He knew is, you know, when you pray, what happens is God comes down and starts living with you in that situation. He enters into a personal and intimate relationship with you that is possible with any two human beings. It is so intimate. To put it the other way, it is like a husband and wife, they have a personal and intimate relationship. That's the kind of relationship God enters with us when we cry out to him in prayer. He comes, he comes down, and he enters into your personal and intimate relationship with his children. What a great God we serve. Hallelujah. You know, it is so personal and it is so intimate. Only thing sometimes we are not aware. But this morning you be aware. It's not enough that we are not aware. This morning you be aware when you pray, when you cry out to God, God comes down and starts having that personal and deep, intimate relationship with his children. That's why, you know, if you know Psalm chapter 1, you know, with the last verse says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The, the Lord knows the way of the righteous is not something in abstract knowledge. It is not that kind of knowledge. You know, as you hold the child's hand and you walk with the child, that's the way he walks with us. For God knows the way of the righteous means he will not leave his hand. He will walk with the child 24-7.
That's why God could say that, for he knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked, ungodly, will perish. It was prayer that made all the difference in the Israelites' lives. When they cried out to God, the moment of deliverance started happening. It's not that it happened, they could see that. No, they could not see that, their situation. There was not apparent change, but if you read chapter 3, you will, tell, you will see that how God will ask Moses, how God will call Moses, all in response to their cry. When they started praying, God was preparing somewhere. Deliverance has started. You know, in days of darkness, remember Isaiah 50, 10, which says, let no one who walks in the dark, who has no light, let the one who walks in the dark and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. This morning, if you are going through darkness, remember, you know, you might say there is no light, no hope, but trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. That should be your response. What should you do in days of darkness? Trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. And the moment, pray, pray to God. When you pray to God, believe that God hears your prayer. When Daniel prayed, you know, the Bible says in Daniel 9.23, as soon as you began to pray, your word went out. As soon as you began to pray. You don't know how many of us are you know, we pray and we have seen the power of God in our lives. Prayer is something extraordinary. We should also be surprised that we can pray. God has given us this privilege. When we pray, you know, God answers our prayer. Why should he answer? What is mankind that you're even mindful of him? Why should he even answer? The God who created the heavens and the earth, the galaxies, the universe, the billions of stars, why should he even care to answer? But because we are his children, he's, he cares to answer us. Now, a God listens to us. There's no doubt of it. We have a God who listens to his children. The shepherd listens to his sheep. We should have no doubt. But what good it is if we don't speak to this God? What good it is? Yeah, God listens to our prayer, and if we don't even pray, what is the use of it? How often do you pray? Do you have this conversational talk with God as you walk, as you work, as you sleep? Or do you have that morning five minutes, night five minutes? That's religious. You don't have a relationship with this kind of morning two minutes, I'll pray night. He has come down to have a personal, intimate relationship with you. You know, if I tell my wife, I'll speak to you morning five minutes, and in the night five minutes, in between, forget. She'll say, you can forget about me also. Okay, when God wants to have that personal, intimate relationship with you, do you have that conversational prayer with him? You need to develop that because there's no use having a God who listens to our voice and if we don't pray. What use? What use it is? If you have a God who listens and we don't even speak to him, 
You know, your child doesn't even ask you, what is the use? So do you have that kind of a prayer life in your life? It's important. The Israelites, they knew, they groaned, they mourned, they cried out to God, and help came to them. It's good that we start talking to God even when we have no problems, when we have no trouble. You know, to sum up, you know, trouble and prayer are closely related to the other. In fact, it's your trouble that takes you to God. Sometimes if you had no trouble, you will not even go to God. Prayer often delivers us out of trouble. I have, I have not used the word always. Okay, don't quote me that you pray, all your problems will be solved. I am not saying that. Prayer often delivers us out of trouble and more often gives us strength to bear trouble. Prayer comforts us in trouble and teaches us patience in the midst of trouble. You know, these things will not come on its own. Sometimes we are all looking for a mystic experience. It should come just like that. No. No, if this is God's ordained way, you cannot short-circuit that. If God expects you to walk with him, you cannot say, I'll just spend five minutes here, five minutes there. No, he expects you to walk 24-7. Walking, walking. How often do you pray? How often do you pray? You know, sometimes you we see hardly people coming for community prayer. Wherever there is prayer, just run. Not because you have a need, because this is the way you develop relationship with God. Consider these things are important. We have pre-service prayer. We have community prayer. You know, be there, be there. See that you can take a break from your job even for that half an hour and be there. That is how you develop that relationship with God. If you say that morning five minutes, evening five minutes, not enough. No, no, no. God wants a deeper, intimate relationship with us. Remember, prayer sanctifies trouble to our highest good. We cannot... That's the reason we have in Romans 8, 28. And all things work out for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It doesn't happen on its own. You pray. As you pray, problems are not good. Don't say hallelujah, praise the Lord, you have this problem. No, that's a religious answer. Problems are bad. They are bad. But God will turn it the bad thing for your benefit when you pray. He sanctifies trouble to our highest good. You may lose a job, but remember, when you are a child of God, God is preparing something else for you. This very setback, he will use it for your good. So God's prayer sanctifies trouble to our highest good. Prayer places us where God can bring to us the greatest good both spiritual and eternal. God's blessings are in store for you. And the medium, the means by which you can get those blessings are by prayer. As you pray, God will reveal, God will open your ears, God will open your eyes to see greater things that is in store for you. And prayer allows God to freely work with us and in us in the day of trouble. Because in prayer, we yield ourselves to God's will. And as we yield more and more of us to God, God is free to work in and through our lives. You know, that's the beauty. You know, God working in and through our lives. Make it a point. Become a person of prayer 
come early to the church, sit here and meditate, pray. Don't make this as a mechanical. God wants to bless each and every one of us. You know, whatever is important for you, you will always find time to do it. If the if the God's presence is important, you will be here half an hour before the church. Because it's God's presence that is important. In my one of my pastor friend, you know, he I studied with him, he used to say, you know, people come to church within one hour, they want to be saved, they want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They want to be anointed with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They want all sickness to be healed, their problems to be solved. All this should happen within one hour. They think as though pastor is a magician. Pastor is a normal human being like you. Okay. He has his own weakness. But when we search, when we seek the face of God with that hunger, with that thirst, he's always there to bless us. We have a God who listens to us. How often do we speak to our God? How often? How often do we speak to our God? He, let's be very clear. We have a God who listens to us. You are not hopeless. You are not in a helpless situation, whatever may be the problem. You know, each one's problem is like a mountain. You know, for one, the headache is like a mountain. For somebody else, fever is like a mountain. For somebody else, hand, shoulder pain is like a mountain. For each one, their problem is like a mountain. But we have a God who is ready to listen to us. Will you pray this morning? God, you are a listening God. Teach me to speak to you. Because you want to have a deep and intimate relationship with me. I want to speak to you all the 24 hours a day. I'm not saying you have to always kneel down and pray. If you, It's good to kneel down and pray. There's no harm in it. But I'm not talking about that. There are times you have to kneel down and pray. But you can always keep walking, driving, working, and also pray to God. Let's look to Lord in prayer.